Welcome to Living Stones Church. We pray that this message impacts and touches your heart in such a great way. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Fired up. How's everybody doing this morning? You know what? I don't have a problem getting loud. So I'll be able to get loud. Can you get loud with me? That's the question. Yeah? We'll see. We'll see. You're not used to not having me on the mic and having it all loud in here, but I can get loud anyway, so it's going to be a good time. Where are my paper Bible people at today? We have some people brought their paper Bibles today. Say that three times fast. Paper Bible people, paper Bible people. No, I'm just kidding. Awesome. Any, any electronic Bible people out there? We got some electronic Bibles. Awesome. Cool. We got some people watching online. We got Mitch Howard. Love you, man. The Van Tines. Love you. Uh, Bush family, love you so much. Brandy Berry's out in Texas, love you. And uh, Dante and Carolyn McKinney, love you guys all so much. I'm glad you're watching today. And uh, you should be able to hear my mic once, uh, once the thing catches up here. And so um, tell people, get back on, you can hear it again. So it should be good to go. Let me know if it's not. You can let the tech team know and we'll get it figured out. All right, awesome. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 25. We're going old school. This is in the the front of your Bible, so if you're holding your Bible like this, it's only that far in to numbers, it's not far at all. Some of you were looking in the, in the uh, index trying to figure out where is numbers, because we don't, we don't preach from numbers very often, but we're going to have fun today, amen, <clears throat> amen. Who's enjoyed this series so far, Simplify to Strengthen? Simplify to Strengthen. It has been a good time, and I didn't know that we were going to go this simple today, where we wouldn't have sound and all those kinds of things, and we get to do acoustic worship together, but what a cool thing. It still ties into that Simplify to Strengthen moment. Um, who was here last week? We had some people here last week? Yeah, you were here last week. You won't be here next week or something like that, but uh, you were here last week. Last week, did anybody, or you maybe watched it online, you saw the fire alarm go off. Yeah, that was pretty fun, wasn't it? I had just got done telling the church, saying, hey, can you pray for me? Because I've been navigating this thing with the Lord about trying to figure out, I feel him telling me it's time to get outside the building. And I don't know what that means. And can you pray for me? Can you, can, can you agree with me and pray for me about that? And you guys were all like, yes. And then all of a sudden, the, the fire alarm goes off. And if there isn't a, a, a sign from the Lord of getting out of the building, than the, than the fire alarm going off. So that fires me up, and I got all excited. Um, I'll let you know that I, I, I reached out to our, our superintendent from our denomination this week and talked with him about some of these things that I've been praying about and, and seeking the Lord for. And, and, uh, and he, he basically said, double down, go for it. If that's what God's telling you to do, go for it, and, and we'll support you, and we'll be in here with you. And so, so we still don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Some of the things I'm running around in my head and putting before the Lord is saying, maybe, maybe we'll do church like this three times during the month, and then the fourth time, go into neighborhoods and do church right in your neighborhood. If you want to open up your, open up your cul-de-sac or whatever, we can do church right in your neighborhood. So I haven't figured out all the legalities of that, um, but we're going we're gonna to go for it. We're going to see what God's going to do, and, and we're going to do that sooner than later. So I'm praying through that. We want, we're, we're tired of waiting for somebody to walk in the door. So we're going to take church into our city. Amen. Amen. We're going to take church into our neighborhoods, right? All of a sudden when somebody comes, to, comes into your neighborhood and says, what is going on here? Oh, this is church. We're doing church in our neighborhood today. And they can go, wait a minute. All of a sudden they have a house where they can be discipled because it's in your neighborhood. They know who you are and where we're doing things together and where we're working through stuff together. How exciting is that? I don't know. There's something that just bubbles up in my spirit. 
to think about somebody that's been struggling in their house right now. They're sitting in their house in their pajamas right now. But if there was this music playing out in the street, they go, what is happening? Something's going on out there. Who are all these people that are showing up on my street? Why are there chairs in the middle of the street? What's going on? But they come out and hear the Gospel and hear that there is hope. Hear that there is, there is a promise that is Jesus. Amen? Oh, I'm getting emotional already. Ah, it's going to be good. Woo! Somebody say zeal. Today's message is titled zeal. Oh, does anybody know what zeal means? With excitement. Yep, with excitement. Absolutely right. Being excited, being, being, uh, having, having something inside of you that just, is, just wants to go for it, that's reckless abandon, ready to go. Do I have some zealous people in the house today? Some zeal. Have some zeal. In Numbers chapter 25, verse 1, shout if you got there. I gave you enough time, I hope. Verse 1 says, While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with the local Moabite women. Sorry, I didn't tell you it was going to be R-rated today. Church is going to be good. Somebody say church is going to be good. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. Verse 3. In this way, Israel joined in worship of Baal and Peor, causing the Lord's anger to ablaze against his people. Verse 4. The Lord issued the following command to Moses. Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight. Man, I love the Bible. Come on, somebody. So his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshiping Baal of Peor. Verse 6. Just then, somebody say just then. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent. Somebody say, oh, this guy. Right before the eyes of Moses and all the people as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phineas, somebody say Phineas. I almost named one of my sons Phineas because of this, this section of Scripture. Chelsea wouldn't let me. But I wanted to name him Phineas because I just love this dude. But verse 7, When Phineas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he jumped up, left the assembly, he took his spear, and rushed after the man into his tent. Phineas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care about us. And as you, even as we get into the Old Testament, and that can be hard to read for some people sometimes, God, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Talk to us about our zeal. Talk to us about our passion. And Father, lead us into this next season in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to keep going in verse 10 there. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned away my anger away from the Israelites by being a zealous, being as zealous among them as I was. Come on. Somebody say zealous. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I had I, I intended to do in my zealous anger. Somebody say zealous. Now tell him that I am making a special covenant of peace with him. 
In this covenant, I will give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. Here's point number one for my note takers. Do I have some note takers here today? I will zealously follow God. I will zealously follow God. Can we say that together? I will zealously follow God. What does it mean to be zealous? You know, according to Oxford Dictionary, it says, showing great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. That's the word zealous in in the Oxford Dictionary. But you know the the Latin root word for zealous is zealous. Somebody say zealous. Zealous. That word actually is the word that they use for jealous. Isn't that crazy? So what's happened over time, as it, as it was written in, in the Word of God, and it's talking about zealous, you can actually interchange those words with zealous and jealous. Is that crazy? All of a sudden, if, if you are jealous, see, our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share. We can kind of see that in His anger right here with the people. Hey, what you're, you're worshiping how many other gods? What are you doing? All these sexual immorality and all this stuff. I, I don't want to give up time with you. I want you to be mine. Are you with me? This is a jealous God. And He, he says, I'm jealous and I'm zealous. But then we have Phineas, who is also just as zealous as he is. Right? And he says, I'm going to bless you because of how zealous you are, that you're as zealous as I am. Amen? Come on, we're getting crazy today. These words not only rhyme, but they have the same root meaning. Zealous. To be zealous is to be jealous. <laughs> now, I know that doesn't work with, with the way that we communicate today. If you, zealous means excitement. Well, that doesn't mean jealous. What, I, I wouldn't say that I'm feeling zealous when I'm actually jealous about something, right? But the way that it's written here, that's what it means. That's that those two words interchange. And, and so as we look at the zealousness of Phineas, he says, you know what? God said that we can't do these things. You brought us all together so that we could stop this. And here goes this. this and you've got to understand, this is probably a general. It's probably somebody that's important in the army walking by with a Midianite woman. And he's going like, WTF like what is going on right he's like what is happening right here right now like is this really going down that dude's just going to walk into his tent with her right now and I love that he just he doesn't ask for permission he doesn't go and, and talk to Moses hey hey Moses should we get to committee together to talk about what this dude is doing right now no he just grabs a spear and he follows him in the tent they're probably already there hot and heavy getting their thing going and he just puts the spear right through him and right through her I mean just two kebabs just like that Can you believe that? The zealousness, but it was that zeal that stopped the plague. See, the plague was running over the people. 24,000 people died from this plague because God was saying, you can't be doing this. What what is everyone doing right now? They're all going in different directions and doing these crazy things. But I'm your God. Have you forgotten me? See, I look at our world right now, and I wonder if some of those things run parallel. You see, we've gotten so, we, we've forgotten how to simplify. See, when we simplify and we just seek the Lord, then all of a sudden, it, all the other things, they kind of run into the same root. We start to figure out that if we follow God, everything else comes in play. Everything else comes in place. You're trying to figure out who you are? Guess what? It's not the substance that you consume that makes you who you are. Are you with me? How many people, it's their job. Hey, tell me about yourself. Well, this is what I've been doing for the last 15 years. This is, how, this is what I went to school for. This is, no, you are not what you do. You are who God says that you are. 
See, a lot of us, we've gotten so convoluted in our way of life, in our way of living, that we forget that we're serving all these other gods. All of a sudden, if I don't have enough money, what am I looking to get? I'm not asking God, hey, what do you want me to do with my life? I'm saying, Lord, how do I go get more money because I can't survive? Are you with me? Come on, when, when you're having relationship issues, all of a sudden it's like you talk to somebody, hey, you know, I know she's acting like this. If you just trade up, you can get another one that's even better. Hello, the world we live in right now. How many times have you had marriage problems and talked to one of your friends or talked to a loved one and they said, listen, man, you don't deserve this. You deserve better. We say those things to each other all the time. Instead of going, hey, man, buck up. It's time to, it's time to work on this thing. We've got to work through this thing together. You, you made a vow to your wife when you made a vow to your wife, and now, you, now it's time to live out that vow for better and for worse. Come on, somebody. Listen, when God calls you to do something with your life, he says for better and for worse. When things get hard, when the sound doesn't work, when stuff's not working the way you expected it to that day, he says, come on, do you still believe? Are you still walking with me? Do you still know me? Are you with me? See, I don't need a microphone. Who needs a microphone? Who needs a microphone? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, says, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous. superfluous. Can we say that together? Superfluous. For me to write to you. Gosh, I love being uneducated. It just shows how good God is. Amen. Verse 2. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you in Ma- to the Macedonians. In Acacia was already a year ago, and your zeal, come on, somebody say zeal. Your zeal has stirred up the majority. This is, this is Paul talking to the church here, and he's, and he's bragging to the church, uh, about the church in the Corinthians, and, and about the church in Acacia, that they were so zealous, they were ready to give an offering a year ago. They've been thinking about it. They've been preparing for it. They said, hey, we're going to make this ministry happen. We're thinking about this. This is what we're setting things aside for. And he's telling this other church, like, hey, man, check out the zeal of this church. This is the church that's generous even when they don't have enough. This is the church that says, hey, if if it's going to be our city, count me in. I'm coming. We're coming, and we're not slowing down. Like, they're telling them a year we've been planning to go to battle, to go to war, to take our city back. Amen? Amen. It's their zeal that he's boasting about. How many of us, where is our zeal right now? Ah, where is our zeal right now? What are we even excited about right now? What are we passionate about right now? Or are we just trying to get by? We're just trying to figure out how to not have things not be bad. Is anybody with me, right? Is anybody living in the same world I'm living in? Like, zeal, how do I have zeal, pastor, in the midst of just trying to make a living when I look at the gas prices, when I look at the, all these different things going up all the time, and, and now i got to get a second or third job just to live the way I was living two years ago. How, does this, how am I supposed to have zeal, pastor? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Somebody say, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know what? When things are going wrong all around you, it's, it's all the more of, a, a, of an inkling that you should step into it. Are you with me? Right? You should step into what God is doing in your life right now. If, if things don't seem like they're going in the direction you think they should go, say, God, here I am. Send me. Send me. 
I've always, I've always preached that our church will be more generous. We, we are a generous church. We've given away, I mean, we're only three years old. We've given away well over $100,000 because we did that in one year. So I know that we've done that. I haven't looked at things from this last year, but I'll tell you what, altogether we are a, we are a generous church no matter what. No matter what comes in, a lot's going to go out. Amen? That's the, that's the thought process is that whatever we're given, we're going we're gonna to sow into the kingdom. We want to see God move. Whose zeal is being stirred up this morning? Because here's the, here's the deal. God's going to do a work through each and every one of us. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. Come on. We're going to draw near with a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Oh, are you hearing me right now? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. God is still moving. God is still alive. It doesn't matter what, what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now. What, what matters is that God is still on the throne and he's still the king. For he who promised is faithful, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up. Somebody say stir up. Stir up love and good works. Listen, when you're a child of God, he will not let you go hungry. He will not let you go without. But you got to stay with him. Like, you got to stop wavering, stop wondering. Listen, I understand. I wonder and waver with you. We're human. Amen? Do I have any humans in here? You wonder and waver? Like, in one moment, you're like, man, God is real. He just did this miracle. It was so cool. I was at church that day and it was awesome. And then six months later, you're going... I'm just not sure the Lord shows up to church on Sundays anymore. Hello, we're human. We do these things. Like, there's times where I'm wondering, God, where are you? Has anybody ever wondered that? Where are you in the midst of this? God, I believe you, but help me with my unbelief. But we need to stir each other's zeal up this morning. Our zeal is stirring up love and good works. Oh, that's my prayer. My prayers is, you know, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I'm gonna. When we did when we did this uh, uh, that concert in Lake Elsinore, and it was awesome and it was amazing, wasn't it? For those that went there, it was incredible. But uh, when I got there, a lot of uh, we had been talking about it for about six to eight weeks and trying to prepare and plan, and and a lot of the pastors that I talked with, a lot of them said. I just don't know. I just don't know if it's going to work, and I don't want to put my hand in it if it doesn't work. And then we get there, and it worked. It worked. A lot of people got blessed. There was a lot of vendors there. There was a lot of people. Like, some of the pastors came up to me later, and they're like, Pastor Justin, I can't believe how many people showed up to this thing. Like, this is incredible. Like, and I said, I know, right? And, and then they look around, and they see, like, Livingstone's tents over here to take care of that guy, and Livingstone's tents over here to take care of that guy. And then we, we like, hey, you need a tent for the prayer thing? We're going to put it right here. We're, uh, you need our drum set? Like, I still don't know if I have all the parts to that. But we're going to find out as soon as the drummer's back and doing their thing. But, you know, it's like one of these things. It was like, And then they asked, like, Pastor Justin, why did you sow into this so much, and you're not even in Lake Elsinore? Seek first the kingdom 
and all will be added. See, listen, I'm not here to reach Lake Elsinore. I'm not here to reach French Valley. I'm here to reach God's people, amen? And whatever that is, whatever he wants to do in it, it's time to get going. It's time to step up and say, hey, God, here I am. Send me. I'll be zealous for you. I'll run around in circles for you. I'll I'll work my butt off from 10 a.m. till midnight. Whatever you say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And you know what? I'll even preach tomorrow. Are you with me? And God will do whatever he wants to do in the midst of it all. See, sometimes it takes one person's zeal to stir up good works, to stir up love and good works. All of a sudden, pastors are coming out of the woodwork. They're going, hey, man, this is pretty awesome. I'm like, I know, right? If only you'd have told your church about it. Are you with me? Like, there's something that's got to change. we got to stop waiting for things to be good to actually do something. If we do something now, then maybe things will be good. We're, we get it backwards. You know, I, I think like, man, someday if I'm healthier and I have more time, I'll go to the gym. <laughs> Guess what doesn't happen? I don't get healthier and have more time. Like I'm losing more time. The more unhealthy that I get, I'm going to have years shaved off of my life. Amen? So it's one of those things we've got to make the change to see the change. You see, how, how is the church going to hide in their buildings? How are we going to hide in our buildings where it's nice and comfortable, nice and cushy, and it all feels good? And then when they say, like, hey, let's get out into our neighborhood, and then what, what are we going to say? Well, I'm, I'm going to go find a different church. Oh, trust me, I've, I've sat with different people. Oh, no, that's, that's not what I'm called to. What are you called to, donuts and a, and a cushion? Like, what is, that's what you're called to? Like, you can get that anywhere. There's Dunkin' Donuts is right down the street. Like, like come on, like. No, no, we're here to be an army. We're here to, we're here to step up and do something. Amen? Here's point number two. My zeal will stir up love and good works. Let's say that together. My zeal will stir up love and good works. See, that you have to make this personal. It has to be personal. You, you, our pastoral team can stand up here and shout and get all excited, and they're like, well, their zeal will stir up good works. You know, or maybe the church down the street, they, they've got more money, they've got more, more resources. Their zeal can store up good works. My zeal. It has to be personal. My zeal. See, all of a sudden, maybe, maybe your zeal looks, looks a little different than mine. You don't have to stand up here and shout and get crazy, right? So maybe your zeal looks a little different than mine. Maybe your zeal is volunteering for the thing that nobody wants to volunteer for. Maybe you're the one that says, hey, listen, I know nobody wants to do the bulk work of moving things around and doing stuff. I'm scared to talk to people, but tell you what, I'll pick things up and move it around. I can do that. Are you with me? Let that zeal stir up good works. All of a sudden, as they watch you step into a new place, a place without excuse. How many excuses do we have? As many as we need. As many as we need. You need an excuse? I've got plenty. Like I'm, I'm sure just the ones I've heard this week, I can probably give you some if you don't have any. I can... You know, you don't want to go to work tomorrow? Just tell me. I'll show you. Like, here's all the excuses I get, you know? Like, but here's the thing. How much is it, where is an excuse going to get us? Is it going to get us any better than where we are right now? No. But what will faith, what will, what will love and good works get us? Oh, my goodness. We can change this whole region. Like, I, I want to I shut up the churches that say you can't, do, you can't build church that way. Are you with me? Like, it's not us against them. I, I want their churches to grow, but I want them to understand if you want to grow, you've got to stop making things so cushy for people. Yeah. If you make things more cushy for people, yes, you'll get more people, but they're doing nothing. Right. 
They're all sitting in their chairs, nice and happy. And what? Oh, they have, they said, this church has the best kids program. I just love it so much. They, they're going to make sure they have these fun little things for them. Oh, oh, you should come to my church. Oh, listen, I want a church that's not like that anymore. Like, I want a church that's going like, we'll have those things, but that's not the focus. All right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem when the things have you. You know how I know the things have most people? I'm probably preaching to the choir in here, but I, the, you know how I know things have most people? Because they go church shopping. Yes. That's a cuss word to me. Church shopping. I'm church shopping. I'm just, I'm just looking for my flavor of church. Maybe stop church shopping and ask the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where do you want me? I'm here in your army. Where do you want me? Now, it doesn't have to be at Living Stones Church. It's where God wants you to be. Because he might tell you Africa and you don't know what to do. Are you with me? You're like, what do you mean, Africa? I don't, is that like a city next to Paris? You know, like, I don't know. Like, where do you want me, Lord? Are you with me? No. Just say, God, here I am, send me. What do you want me to do? I know it's dangerous. I know it's scary because if he, what if he asks you to give up your job? What if he asks you to give up your house? What if he asks you to hit up and move and do something else? What if he asks you those things? So we don't ask him. We stop asking him because we're afraid of what he might say. You know what? I'm comfortable right here, Lord. I like it right here, Lord. Listen, even if I don't want to admit it or not, I know how to build church like this. I do. I've been building church like this for years. Ever since 2007, I watched, I watched a church be built in a school like this, and I know how to do it. I know how to save money and put things together. But then when God says, hey, I want you to get out of the building, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Lord, I don't know how to set up church in a, in a street. I don't know if I'll get arrested for this, Lord. I, I like, what are you asking me to do? I'm not sure. But is he the Lord of my life or is he the Lord of my life? Are you with me? Like how many of us is he the Lord of our life? If he's not the Lord of your life, then he's just a part of your life. How many things are just a part of your life? You know, hockey's a part of my life. I love hockey. Hockey's fun. I love it. I love getting out there as much as I can, even though I'm a fat guy now and I, I didn't used to be a fat guy, you know. Like I still think I'm 17 in my head. Yeah, well, most men do, right? We still think we're 17. You know, the military was a part of my life. It still is in a big way, right? The riding motorcycles is a part of my life. But you know what? Jesus shouldn't be just another part of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm a motorcyclist. And you know, like, these are all your hobbies. Like, Jesus is a hobby? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why has Jesus become a hobby for so many people? What, you want me to tell you why? Because we make these cushy awesome chairs for people we put these things out here to say hey i don't want you to have to sit hang on pay no attention to the man behind the curtain yeah right wwf yeah. this is what we started with about five years ago when we were at campus here and you know what, we got, I, I wish I had some, but we, we got these little little foam cushions that said Centerpoint Church French Valley on it. And we put them on there because these were too hard for people to sit on for 40 minutes. Oh, the, the chairs. Mm. Pastor, I, I don't know if I can keep coming to church here because the chairs. I stand for 45 minutes. You stand for 45 minutes. Let's, let's do this. If you don't like the chairs, stand up. Are you with me? Like, but then, of course, I'm a shepherd. And I want to take care of my sheep, right? So, so I go and buy cushy chairs. Comfortable ones that we can sit in for an hour and a half. Now I can preach longer. 
Are you with me? But here's what happens is, is that when we start to get to where we're like, no, I expect comfortability. Like, why, well, how come we're using this brand of coffee instead of that brand of coffee? Is church a hobby for you? Church is a hobby for too many people. And I preach hard like this, and I know it repels a lot of people. A lot of people, the, the empty seats next to you didn't used to be empty. They didn't. We used to have 200 people here on a Sunday morning. They didn't used to be empty because I was trying to find every cushy way that I could reach people. I'm done. I'm done because I want a real church. When Jesus comes back, I want him to say, Justin, good job. You helped, you helped some people get to real church. You helped them to really know me. You helped them to have a relationship with me. Back to Numbers 25, verse 12, it says, Now tell him that I am making a special covenant of peace with him. As we zealously and jealously pursue God and his heart, we will also experience this covenant of promise of peace. How many of us are looking for peace? We're looking for peace. You see, we confuse peace with comfort. Because comfortability looks like peace to a lot of us. If I can just find a good place where my kids can grow up, and I can find a comfortable place where I can just have a living. I don't need, I don't need anything extravagant. I just, I just want a comfortable living. See, we're looking for comfortability. We're, we think we're looking for comfortability, but the truth is we're looking for peace. Peace is different than comfortability. Peace is different than comfortability. How many places in your life have you worked so hard to be comfortable and lose your peace? Because all of a sudden you're like, I tolerate this job and I tolerate these things because I have to have the stuff that make me comfortable. You see, we've been seeking comfortability for so long, we don't even know the difference between comfortability and peace anymore. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Here's point number three. My zeal ushers in God's peace. My zeal ushers in God's peace. See, when you have zeal and you're not afraid to go after God with all of your heart, and you know what? That might mean going to Estonia. That might mean giving money that you don't have. But when you have that zeal to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Pick me, God. I want to do it. I'll do whatever you have to say. I might not have the skills. I might not have the ability. I might not have the stature. I might not have the background. But God, if you call me, I'm coming. If you'll have that zeal, you'll also have that peace. You'll have that peace. Because all of a sudden you have a peace that surpasses understanding. You see, I don't need, com I don't need to choose comfortability. Listen, uh, this, is, this is not how I preach. This is how I live my life. And for some of you, you're like, wow, dude, you're really arrogant. Well, I also gave up my six-figure-year job so that I can come and preach at a place that nobody wanted to preach at. When I got here, the pastors that I did make friends with went and told me that this is hard ground. This is not where you want to build a church. But I know, my Lord, I don't need this. Like, God, I, you know what? I don't even need this. Like, like God, let's, let's go out into the streets if that's what you want to do, Lord. Like, whatever you want to do to reach the people. Maybe the people need to be reached in a different way. Maybe we need to look at things in a different way. Church has been the same for how many years now? Right. Hundreds of years the same stuff. I mean, how many times have you gone to church? I've heard this story before. I've heard about Phineas. I've heard that stuff. Oh, man, I remember this one service. It was even better than the one you preached, Pastor, where, where he preached about Phineas. Man, it was so good. We've been doing the same thing for so long. Maybe we need to switch it up. Maybe God wants to do a new thing. 
when I talked to my, my superintendent, he had told me that, uh, he said, Pastor Justin, you're unique. Now, I didn't know if that was like the unique that only your mom can love you. <laughs> you know, my mom loves me, thank goodness. My parents are here, by the way. This is, this is Becky and Kiri. Those are my parents. But, no, he was saying, no, no, you're, you, you're unique because, because I know how strategic you are. I know how you put a plan together and you want to execute it and you want to see it done in excellence. He said, but not only that, you hold it so loosely to say, God, whatever you want, let it be done. And he said, that is rare. He, I see, he said, I either have people who hold on to an idea so strongly that they don't hear God or that they're trying to listen to every spiritual thing possible that they don't do anything strategic to make it happen. He said, but you're unique. He said, there's something in you, there's a gift in you that if you go out and, and do this and build a church like this, he said, my advice to you is never get a building you get stuck in. He said, because God might want you to move. He might want you to move and change things. And I was like, all right, good, thank you. But you know what? I know it's going to take a special people. It's going to take a special group of people to say, hey, I'm in, sign me up. I've never done anything like this before, and it scares the bejeebies out of me, but sign me up. I want to see what God is going to do too. If you read your Bible, and which I highly suggest that you do, but if you read your Bible and you start reading the stories about the heroes that one day you hope to meet when you get to heaven, most of those heroes were sitting in a chair just like you right now. And, he, and God said, your zeal. No, I'm not waiting for him, not the loud guy next to you, not the one that worships with everything that they have. Like, no, I'm talking about you. Your zeal will stir up the majority in your sphere. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. You're going to reach people that I will never reach. Maybe we will if we come to your neighborhood. Maybe. Your house is on the list, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of prompted it, too, because you said something the other day. You said, I heard it from my leaders, that uh, you were back there and looking at the quad cons, and you're like, we could fit all this equipment in my backyard. <laughs> it was Phil. Yeah, yeah, it was Phil. Yep. And, I, yep. and, I, and it was in the midst of me praying and saying, God, is this really what you want me to do? Do you really want me to get in the neighborhoods? Do you really want me to do these things? And then I hear things like that. And then I sit with this man for, for coffee, and we're praying through some stuff, and, and he says, this, you have to do this. You have to do this, and I don't know what part I play, but I have to be a part of it. And I'm like, all right, Lord. All right, Lord. We're going to do this. I'm scared out of my mind, but we're going to do this. Because there's somebody on a street somewhere that needs it. It needs church to, like, they maybe have been questioning, like, maybe I should go to church. I don't know. They're all hypocrites anyway. Like, I don't know if I should go to church. But church just came to me. I've been praying. I was thinking about taking my life. And then you showed up in my street. Come on, you guys. Church has to change. It can't just be about programs. Programs are great. I'm a program person. I love programs because programs build everything. Are you with me? But it can't be all that it is. And if that's all that it is, what are we doing? I can't go up to Jesus and say, I built the best programs in my city, Lord. Look at all these programs I built. No, he's going to tell me, how many souls? How many souls did you reach for me? 
How many people did you use that loud voice that I gave you to go out and share the gospel with people? How many of us, don't raise your hand, but how many of us, you're like, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to shout at people on the street corner. Can I tell you something? Neither am I. But here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm not here to tell people they're going to hell. They're already going there. I don't need to tell them. They're just trying to have fun along the way. But what if I were to give them hope? What if I were giving them something to live for? Come on. We've got so many people making a living, but nobody living their life. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Why did I pick this verse in the midst of all this to talk about today? Because what we're about to do is going to take violence. Now, what do I mean by that? It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a battle. You're going to be facing comfortability. We'll probably bring these chairs out to the street. But you're going to be faced with this choice. I can, I can go back and be comfortable or I'm going to go into battle. And it says, what, what this is talking about is that violence is constantly facing the church. It hasn't stopped and it won't stop. Why? Because there's an enemy, a real enemy that we have to fight against and he won't stop. But what it's saying is, is that the violent take it by force. You see, we're taking the kingdom of God for him. We can't sit back and wait for people to come in. No, we're just going to get this little space at Dorothy McElhaney Middle School and hope that people come. You know, maybe if the music's good enough, maybe if that sound actually works, maybe if the preacher actually preaches the Word of God, maybe people will come. No. The violent take it by force. You see, we, we, we don't just go and park ourselves somewhere and say, hey, everybody, we're here if you want to come. No, you take it to them. You take it to them. You, you take it to them and you tell them they're loved. You tell them they're cared for. You tell them that you don't have to do this thing on your own. There's a God who loves you and he's real. He's real. You've been wondering this whole time. He's real. He really cares about you. He thinks the world of you. So much so that he gave his only son just so he could be with you for eternity. And man, if we can bring that message to the world. I know it's unconventional. I know I'm going to get questioned a lot. I'm going to get questioned by other pastors. I'm going to get questioned by people. Why are you doing this? There's going to be people that are going to be mad. You're being loud on my street talking about Jesus. I'm not okay with that. That offends me. We're going to go and fend the world. But because we have a promise of peace. You see, as the world seeks comfort... I'm looking for a world that revolves around me. That's most of us, right? That's human nature. And so they're going to be mad when we're not revolving around them. But I don't want to give you comfort. I want to give you peace. I want to give you peace so that your family can run the way it's supposed to instead of just having a nice boat and having a nice RV and having all these things that make you comfortable. I want you to have peace. Amen? Amen? 